You are listening to the Sharp End Podcast. My name is Ashley and I'm your hostess for the show. This podcast is brought to you by the American Alpine Club and sponsored by Mammut. Designed and developed in the Swiss Alps, Mammut has been making the finest alpine equipment since the 1860s. Driven by a continuous quest for innovation, Mammut's technical clothing, footwear, climbing gear, avalanche safety, and alpine equipment are distinguished by the highest quality, functionality, and safety. They embody Swiss technology and perfection. Mammut, absolute alpine. Thank you to the Colorado Howard Bound School and Sunto for the additional support. So my name is Patrick. I live in Denver. I am 28 years old. Are, are you from Denver? I am, yeah. I was born and raised here. It's hard to leave. I uh, went up to school in Fort Collins. So I lived up there for about four years and then moved back to the city, I think, just about five years ago now. And what did you go to school for? Uh, my degree was natural resources, recreation, and tourism. And you're into climbing. I am, yeah. So I uh, started climbing in college. I think I was thinking about that this morning. It's been since like 2010. I stuck to gym climbing for quite a bit. Uh, it was just really accessible and didn't have a lot of friends that were as passionate as I was. So then started doing some bouldering outside a few years ago. Um, and then really just got into like more, you know, sport and climbing just in the past year and a half, two years. Do you have a specific partner you normally go out with? Uh, yeah, there's a group of about four of us, four or five of us that go out pretty consistently. Um, we usually get out like every weekend when it's nice, even in the winter, we'll head down south, go to like shelf road and climb out there. So yeah, we get out a good amount of time. Where's your favorite climbing area in the Colorado area? Probably Clear Creek, just because it's so accessible, um, you know, being only 30 minutes away or so. And there's just so much in there. There's just hundreds of routes you can get on like, so quick. So that's definitely my favorite area. Uh, Shelf Road is great, too, for the winter. You can go down there and climb in a t-shirt in December, January. And so it's pretty nice. And this accident that we're going to talk about today uh, happened mm -hmm. in Clear Creek, didn't it? Um, so yeah, it was April 28th and it was a beautiful day out. Uh, we headed up to Clear Creek. We were going to go to Creekside. Uh, we originally hiked to the wrong spot at first, which is kind of classic. Our little group, we always, you know, find the approach a little bit wrong and end up in the wrong spot. So once we got there, we were going to do playing hooky. I feel like route, uh, I feel like route finding is, is one of the hardest things about climbing. <laughs> it is, especially if you're relying on mountain project to get you there. It's usually, you know, take a left at the obvious tree and you're you like, always take the wrong left. Where's the tree? Where's the tree? Exactly. Yeah. So that was super fun. We hiked a fair amount of the way or out of the way. So once we actually found it, I think there were two or three parties that were waiting to go up playing hooky. And I kind of get a little anxious once I get to climbing sites. And, you know, once I'm there, it's like, oh, I need to utilize my time as much as possible. So I got really antsy and just wanted to get on whatever we could get on. So a couple of my friends had the Clear Creek book. So we kind of looked to the left and find that the route called Furlough Day was right next to us. Nobody was on it. So me, I was already geared up and ready to go, flaking out the rope, just chomping at the bit to get up there. So yeah, the first bolt, there's kind of like a deck that you're standing on um, about 20 feet or so over the creek. And that deck ends 
and then the first bolt kind of traverses left for, I would say like 15, 20 feet. So you're kind of just climbing super exposed. If you're not clipped, if you didn't have a stick clip or anything, you're climbing over pretty exposed over the water. So I was kind of joking with my buddy is like, uh, I was like, you know, keep me tight here. I don't want to get uh, dropped into the water. And it was kind of foreshadowing, I guess. I, uh, I climbed the route. Climbed the route pretty well. Uh, there was kind of a roof move that I had fallen off of and was like a little just startled. I think I was not expecting the fall, but did. So then got up to the top. And again, it was 125 feet and we had a 70 meter rope. So we were, you know, pretty confident that the rope was going to get me all the way back down to the ground. So as I was descending, my buddy was taking me pretty slow, which was fine. I, I was, you know, pretty exposed and not over the deck completely. And then my belayer, he stopped me just about at the third clip to unclip it. Uh, just the third bolt? Rope. Yeah, the third bolt. Mm-hmm. Um, so he had me unclip it. And then um, I, I was thinking it was just like there was a lot of rope drag, which there was a decent amount. And then he stopped me again at the second. And then um, I unclipped that. He later told me he was trying to just have it catch on the first bolt so nobody would have to climb over that little exposure again you know not on any gear so as soon as i unclipped the second one i just went weightless and essentially it just fell from there so i just started to realize that i was free falling and it had no idea why and then i kind of just heard a big thud and then a big splash and I was in the creek. So I fell just about 40, 40 feet from the second clip that was pretty high up and then wound up in the creek. It was pretty intense. So as I fell, there was like a little, I don't know, I guess extension of the rock that I hit the right side of my body on. I uh, had a huge bruise on my butt. It was God, almost the size of a bowling ball, I want to say. And then I thrashed up my elbow pretty bad, and that had a nice bone bruise in it. And then after I got bucked off the rock, I kind of fell sideways into the water and got fully submerged. And after I hit the water, I kind of I just remember standing up as quick as I could and having no concept of what just happened. I'm like standing in the river, which is was just about up to my knee. And I kind of just look up at the belay deck and I'm just shaking, having no clue about like what is going on. Um, and I just see my belay partner um, just running down the best route that he could to get down to the river to come assess my injuries. And so initially I kind of thought I was absolutely fine. I was just shooken up. Um, I was kind of just standing there in shock, really had no, again, no concept of what was going on. So I think I stood in the water for probably like three or four minutes until my buddy got down to me um, and helped me untie my knot in my harness. And then I sat down and just saw my pants were just covered in blood. I had cut my elbows pretty bad and they were just bleeding all over my pants. And I honestly thought that something was cut on my legs. It, there was just a crazy amount of blood. And then I finally kind of, got out of the shock period and then everything started to hurt so i was like initially feeling 
my left butt starting to hurt and my, or I'm sorry, my right butt and my right elbow starting to hurt. And then I started feeling a lot of pain in my left ribs, my shoulder on the left side, and then my wrist on the left side. So I was pretty confident that something was broken. I just didn't really know what was broken. So luckily I didn't hit my head at all. That was probably the most fortunate thing. I was wearing a helmet, which was good, but I didn't hit my head at all, surprisingly. Yeah, that is surprising. Uh, Yeah, it was was great that that didn't happen. (laughs) So then... I was able to walk, which was pretty great with a pretty big limp. I was soaking wet, covered in blood, and I probably walked like a quarter of a mile to my friend's car. I didn't I didn't feel like calling an ambulance to get to an urgent care because I could walk. So I just, I just had so many people staring at me while I was. <laughs> <laughs> well, I bet that's like a pretty high trafficked little um, canyon. Yeah, the spot that uh, Creekside's at, there's another, I want to say at least five to seven other climbing spots that are there so it's just littered with cars and it's a really tight it's really tight to the road so you don't necessarily have a lot of room to walk so I was kind of just hobbling next to cars as all these cars are whizzing past me and I just can't even imagine what people were thinking so yeah then my friend drove me to an urgent care which was just down in Golden and the front desk woman that was working at the urgent care was just kind of in shock because again there's just so much blood on my pants she was like you know absolutely no idea what had happened to me so we kind of gave them the rundown and then they run put me through a bunch of different tests and cts x-rays and everything and ultimately i broke two ribs on my left side uh, which then collapsed my lung so they had to keep me overnight they actually had to put me in an ambulance and ship me off to another hospital and then keep me overnight for some observation. So that was kind of the, I guess, the extent of my injuries. So broken ribs, collapsed lung, couple stitches in my arm, and a bunch of bruises and scrapes all over. And a sore body. Yeah, yeah. It honestly felt like a train had hit me the next three to four days or so. It was was pretty brutal. Yeah. Well, so Patrick, what exactly happened up there so you were climbing this route called furlough day right mm-hmm. yeah and it's a five nine 125 mm-hmm. feet pretty exposed route over clear creek mm-hmm. you're being lowered down so the biggest thing that we kind of missed was a tying a knot in the back of the belay you know tying a safety knot behind the belay or and then not really taking our time to you mean tying a knot at the end of the rope yeah oh okay yeah. i see what you mean yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. so the route was 125 feet you know pretty much just vertically uh what it really didn't account for was the traverse in the route like it okay it, it wasn't as the crew flies essentially because you um, said earlier that the that you had it measured like you said it measured out you're like 70 meter rope 125 that'll that'll work um yeah Right. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. So we were pretty confident. Like we honestly didn't even think twice about the distance. We we're like, all right, yeah, one pitch, 125 feet, we're fine. So yeah, the the route, like I said, even the first bolt was 15 to 20 feet to the left, and then I'm I'm fairly sure that it still continued to tra- to tra- traverse after that. I don't remember as well. So there was a lot of rope that we were essentially missing. 
So right after I unclipped that second bolt, I was stopped there. And since we didn't have a safety, as I was getting lowered again, I just essentially came through the belay device. The rope just exited the belay device. And that's what led to my free fall. Oh, man. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So you basically were belayed off of the end of the rope. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's correct. It was, yeah, pretty crazy. I, I can't even describe the feeling of that couple seconds being in midair, not knowing what was going on. You know, I have the memory, but it's it's very hard to describe like what I saw and what I felt. It's a very crazy feeling. Yeah, I don't know what to say. That's terrifying. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I think the worst thing is just, you know, it's all user error. Like a lot of the blame is on me. Like I was saying at the beginning, I get very anxious when I'm climbing and I'm just, you know, let's let's seize the day. Let's do as much as we can. Let's get it going. And I think that that kind of took away from the safety, which is, you know, obviously all on me and I think completely irresponsible. So it's it's definitely a huge learning point for me. And it's, you know, a learning point to pass on to other people, you know, double, triple, quadruple check things before you do it, tie as many knots as you can in the rope and make sure you're completely good before you set off. Do you normally tie knots in the end of your rope? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You know, if it's not tying it to the the bag that we have sitting down there for the rope, yeah, mm-hmm. always. And I think it was just kind of, we were looking for, for doing a huge route and we we're kind of like disappointed that we were going to have to wait so long. So we kind of just overlooked a several several aspects of safety, which is just not not the way to do it. Right. So st- so you would say to not rush, slow down, triple check your systems, make sure mm-hmm. that your rope is long enough for the route, including any traverses that may happen, um, and tying a knot at the end of your rope. Yes, hundred yeah. percent. That is that is definitely what that's the key to success and not spending the night in the hospital. And overall, I got incredibly lucky with the injuries that I did sustain. You know, they they definitely were serious, but it could have been a lot worse depending on how I, you know, landed in the river. Fortunately, I fell on my side and I think that it, it was pretty low that day. So I don't know, definitely thoughts that have gone through my mind. It, it could have ended a lot differently and a lot more severely. Well, thank you so much, Patrick, for sharing your story with us. And so after talking to Patrick and hearing his story, it got me thinking about how many times a scenario like this actually happens every year. And to get a better understanding of some of the statistics around lowering incidents, I called Dougald McDonald, the editor of the book, Accidents North American Climbing. He also wrote up a really super insightful preface in the 2018 edition of Accidents, so make sure you check that out. So welcome to the show, Dougald. Can you go ahead and introduce yourself? Sure. Uh, my name is Dougal McDonald. I'm the editor of Accidents in North American Climbing, which is published every year by the American Alpine Club. So the 2018 edition is being mailed to members of the American Alpine Club right now, and it'll be in stores really soon. And in the 2018 edition, we look at accidents that happened in 2017. And that year, there was a really big increase in the number of lowering accidents of the kind that we we're talking about in this episode. Two years ago, we had five accidents like that in our data, and uh, in 2000, in the last year, there were six of them, and this year, there were 12 lowering accidents of this kind. Wow. 
Yeah, and they and they tend to there are many different causes, but they tend to follow two or three different things that um, that, that that cause these accidents, and and they're all preventable. Uh, one is communication errors, uh, where the belayer thinks that the climber is going to repel, and then the climber tries to lower, and he's been he or she's been taken off belay and drops to the ground. The other, which is related to this incident, uh, is either a misunderstanding of the length of the rope or a misunderstanding of the length of the climb. And the when the climber tries to lower, the rope ends up shooting through the blade of ice and the climber drops to the ground. Both of these are really preventable. If you, if you make a plan with your belayer for what you're going to do when you get to the top of the climb and uh, stick to that plan, no matter what, uh, you won't have that kind of communication error that can lead to lowering uh, problems. Or if you're, and in any case, no matter what, always, 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 you tie a stopper knot in the belayer's end of the rope, or in some way, uh, close the system, tie in the belayer, uh, tie a stopper knot, tie the knot, tie the end to the rope bag, in some way, make sure that that rope cannot run through the belay device. And that would actually prevent a large number of lowering accidents that we see. Yeah, and it would have prevented this particular incident that we talked about already on the show. Yeah, it sure would. I mean, I think, you know, they had a couple of different problems, but um, misjudging the length of the rope relative to the climb is is not uncommon. I mean, it can happen on really long climbs or ones that traverse like this. And uh, if the belayer is really paying attention and if the not the end of the rope is is uh, stopped with a knot or tied into the blayer, uh, even if there's this kind of fundamental mistake of misjudging the length, the climber can't drop to the ground. Well, thank you for your expertise, Dougald. I really appreciate it. Sure. And uh, I hope people will check out the new edition. Uh, there's all too many accidents in this this year's book, um, but they're, they're, you know, they're full of good lessons for, for climbers of all kinds. Thank you to Mammut for being the headlighting sponsor, and thank you to the Colorado Hourbound School and Sunto for being contributing sponsors. The Colorado Hourbound School has been changing lives through challenge and discovery for more than 55 years. They offer wilderness expeditions in Colorado, Utah, Arizona, Alaska, and Ecuador. Courses range in 8 to 81 days in length for ages 12 plus and include backpacking, mountaineering, canyoneering, rafting, and rock climbing. Visit cobs.org to plan your next adventure. Thanks to Sunto for recently signing on to sponsor the next six episodes of The Sharp End. For over 80 years, Sunto has developed the tools to help mountain athletes safely navigate new territory and train for major expeditions. From high-performance compasses to state-of-the-art GPS and altimeter watches, Sunto devices are chosen by leading alpinists worldwide for their durability, accuracy, and ease of use. Sunto watches are handcrafted in Finland, and the word Sunto comes from the Finnish word meaning direction. Learn more at Sunto.com. Again, thanks so much for listening, and remember, play hard and be smart.